San Gabriel Valley Council of Governments. I am Alexander Fung, and this is SGV Connect, a brand new web series for the San Gabriel Valley and Southern California leaders to discuss emerging issues and topics. Um, today, we're excited to have Malibu City Manager, um, Reva Feldman, and Los Angeles County Department of Public Health Regional Health Officer, Dr. Alvarez, um, joining us to share their insights on emergency response and planning efforts. Thank you very much for joining us today, Reva and Frank. Thanks for having us. You're welcome. Thank you very much for your time. Um, to kickstart this webinar a little bit before we dive in, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what is your favorite spot or restaurant in the San Gabriel Valley? Well, thanks again so much for having me. It's my pleasure to be able to speak to your community. Um, my name is Reva Feldman. I'm the city manager for the city of Malibu, and I've been uh, in Malibu for about 15 years, and I've served as the city manager um, just over four years. Um, and um, a few years ago, we experienced the Woolsey Fire, which was the largest natural disaster in Los Angeles County. Um, so I'm uh, glad that I can share some of the lessons that we learned uh, going through that disaster. Um, I'm currently the president of the League of California City City Manager Department. Um, so I do uh, represent all cities uh, throughout California, um, but I am really uh, love uh, the San Gabriel Valley. Uh, my family lives in Monrovia and um, I'm a big fan of the Rose Bowl swap meet. So that's, a, that's when I get out there. Amazing, thank you very much, Reva. And, and um, again, thank you for uh, sponsoring us and, and bringing the public health department to the table. I'm, um, so I'm Dr. Frank Alvarez. I've, um, uh, my background specialty is in um, primarily infectious epidemiology. Uh, as you can imagine, I'm quite uh, busy these days uh, with our teams uh, you know, battling, uh, as you could say, the fires of COVID actually out there in the community and all the outbreaks that are uh, unfortunately still happening throughout our community in all areas of the county. Um, and it's, um, it's interesting and I look forward to uh, speaking with you all about you know, the uh, preparedness and the evacuation response in the era of, of COVID. Um, so that's uh, you know, kind of the new normal in terms of our considerations and how we support American Red Cross and, and shelters and evacuation plans. Um, and, and in terms of the question, I, I do have a niece who uh, lives out in South Pasadena. I, um, and I do you know, love, you know, and, and I don't get out there as much, but I do love the food um, throughout Pasadena and the San Gabriel Valley, quite honestly. I'm a big dim sum lover, and there's so many great dim sum uh, places out there. So uh, I, I wish I had more time on my hands to, to visit her and to get back out there in the San Gabriel Valley to enjoy all the great, uh, all the great food out there. All right, thank you very much, Dr. Alvarez. And yeah, our dim sum restaurants are definitely the best <laughs> around the Los Angeles County. So thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. So diving into the discussion, um, how can residents effectively prepare for emergencies at home or at work um, nowadays? So I think it's very important for everybody to have this conversation. You need to have your conversation with your family. You need to have a family plan and you need to have a personal plan. Um, my experience um, in disasters is primarily around fires and mudslides, but obviously in California, um, we're all very uh, susceptible to earthquakes. And as we've realized now with the pandemic, um, that's another type of disaster. So you wanna make sure that you've 
thought this through, what could happen, what will you do? Uh, you wanna make sure, um, just as they said, uh, they've always told us for earthquakes and now for COVID, make sure you have two weeks of supplies on hand at home, make sure you have medications, make sure you have food and supplies if you have pets, um, if you have children, make sure you have what you need for them. Um, and it's really important also to have some supplies in your car or in your office. Uh, we call it a go bag and it can just be a bag or a backpack where you have extra shoes. And again, if you need uh, certain types of medication, carry those with you um, and be ready for a, a disaster because it could happen anywhere at any time. Um, and as government officials, it's our responsibility to help the public. So, you know, I might be out in your community and there could be an earthquake and it would be my responsibility to go to the nearest city hall or police station and see how I can help. So having a go bag in my car at that time would be, be something that could serve me well. Um, the fire department um, pushes out information called Ready, Set, Go. Um, I really encourage people to look at that um, information and the press that they have on that because it gives you some really good information on how you can be prepared. Um, and now um, we see that one of the big things that's been impacting California are power outages. And so people should be prepared that there could be a disaster with um, sustained power outages for some time. Um, we saw rolling blackouts as part of the heat waves. Certainly we've seen power outages impacted by the wildfire. And then we also have the PSPS situations, the public safety power shutoffs, um, where we could be facing a, a no power. So important to, to think these things through and how you can prepare for that. And, and just to add on to that, um, many, many folks might have gotten alerts in terms of uh, from Southern California Edison and the folks that are now um, kind of going, you know, uh, we have these heat alerts uh, going through the uh, rolling blackouts as we recently experienced. Uh, it is especially critical uh, for those vulnerable populations that are dependent on um, electric medical devices. So whether they're battery powered um, or electrical plug-in sort of, um, you know, life-sustaining sort of, um, you know, uh, equipment such as CPAPs or dialysis units, uh, whether it's an oxygen generator, um, it, they, they definitely need to be working with their provider and their supplier to make sure that they have a backup uh, charged battery. Um, also, um, you know, a place that they might be able to um, move to for support medically as well. So that is especially critical in this day, as mentioned um, by Riva, in terms of the uh, rolling blackouts as well. So um, we, you've got to really be proactive, make sure that you've got backup uh, power generators. And, and certainly if it's an evacuation, uh, there will be designated sites by the American Red Cross as well to ensure that there's uh, locations where those could be also uh, powered up. So um, that's especially important. I just wanted to add that. Thank you both very much. Um, on a related note, are there ways for residents to be involved with emergency preparedness efforts um, in their local communities or in their neighborhoods? So 
property. There's so many things that uh, residents can do. First of all, I really encourage everybody to sign up for alerts, whether that's through your local city or a neighboring city. If you live kind of on the border of another city, um, the county also has alerts. The fire departments have alert systems. The sheriffs and police office, uh, police stations or police departments do. So it's very important to make sure that you're getting notifications um, of a disaster. The, or, or an emergency or something that's going on. Um, residents can also um, sign up and be trained as a CERT member. CERT is the Community Emergency Response Team. Um, and they are really just that, the residents who get trained in uh, basic first aid and how to assist their neighbors. And so that's a, a great way to get involved as well. And I also really encourage people to know your neighbors. You know, in this day and age, we all come and go and in and out of our garages and we may not necessarily know all the people who live near us, um, but it's really important to know that one for, you could check on them, but they can also check on you. And um, in a really uh, bad emergency, we're all gonna need each other uh, within our neighborhoods. So those would be some of the things that I would encourage people to do. Just again, those are all great points and, and folks should be very proactive, get on those alert, um, county alert, city alert, uh, tech systems. I mean, we, we're now in an age where um, hopefully most of us have uh, cell phones and it's not so dependent on landlines anymore and just getting um, real-time alerts, also staying uh, abreast. One of the things I do is I, I have, I follow a lot of the county and city fire on, on like my uh, Twitter feeds and I, you know, see, you know, when something's active, you know, where are they set up? Where are the evacuation sites set up? And I, and I uh, you know, you can wait for the news to tell you that, but if you're on these alerts, they're, they're ahead of things. And so it would be really helpful to have those. The other way to kind of for city and community members to be engaged is actually look at their local, either city or, or county um, board office or city, um, um, department and, and, and kind of look for their emergency preparedness folks. There's many things, uh, there's actually meetings that they have, there's open meetings to the public as well that you can get engaged and get uh, topics on the agenda. You know, if you feel like your neighborhood wants to bring um, some ideals and planning into that, um, you know, to, to response, that would be a great opportunity with your local kind of elected leaders and their and their uh, community outreach, neighborhood outreach teams. Also with, um, you know, fire. I mean, there's many uh, fire uh, folks, at least the local fire folks um, are getting, sorry for lighting, are getting um, more engaged with their communities as well. So there's opportunities there to um, work locally with your neighborhood uh, fire, fire folks uh, on uh, neighborhood planning. But Again, it's um, looking at the risk of your neighborhood and certainly the more you're up into that, um, that ag, ag urban interface where you've got forest around you or shrub around you in the foothills, um, I would be very, very uh, proactive in working locally with your neighbors and your community to make sure that indeed you're pushing back and, and cutting, um, you know, creating that barrier that Fire talks about and also having a community response plan on where you would evacuate and, and how you can assist those vulnerable within your neighborhood as well. Um, so there's neighborhood watch sort of applications you can be on um, as well. So yeah, use the, so especially in this day and age where you can't gather, I mean, you're gonna, you know, just use the social media tools uh, to, to the best uh, of your advantage. That is definitely very important. Thank you so much for sharing. 
Um, so there's a lot of messaging about um, residents and cities and city staff or elected officials should be preparing for emergencies. But after an emergency has occurred, um, like let's say um, there's a wildfire happening um, like around the corner or an earthquake has happened, what are the proper steps for residents, businesses, um, and elected officials um, should react um, to these incidents? Um, so let's break it apart a little bit. So if it's a, a fire and a wildfire, obviously let's hope you um, know that it's happening because you've uh, now taken our great sage advice and you've signed up for all the alerts and you're up to speed and power is on. So you're getting all that information. But the first thing is that you wanna make sure you're following evacuation notices. Um, so if there's an order to evacuate, please do so. Follow the orders of the officials. They're asking you to evacuate because they want to help save your life. And the more people stay behind and um, you know, ignore an evacuation order, they might be placed in harm's way two hours later. And that call to 911 when they call for help is taking um, a first responder off of the job of putting out a fire. So it's really important that you do follow those evacuation orders and, and leave quickly and safely, obviously, you know, making sure that your home is safe. Um, if we're talking about an earthquake, um, you know, first of all, you want to check on your family, um, you want to check on your neighbors, and then you want to make sure that the infrastructure around your house is safe, that gas is off, that you don't have water mains that are broken. So you want to make sure you've double checked all of that um, and make sure that your neighbors are safe. Um, if you're in a work situation, obviously checking on your coworkers. Um, so those would be immediately after, um, but making sure that you are safe and then if not getting to a safe place, um, which obviously under COVID is going to look very different than the shelters that we um, have always been familiar with where you all are sheltering in one room. So that would be my suggestion. Yeah, but those, again, those, those are really great um, things to, to keep in mind and to plan for. I think with um, employers, I mean, as you know, a lot, a lot of our businesses aren't, aren't indoors uh, during this COVID period, but a lot, a lot are. I mean, there's still like big, big, um, you know, retail that's, that do have employees, obviously, and essential kind of workers along those lines. So again, it's, it's the employer working closely and proactively with their employees um, and, and knowing what that evacuation plan would be if it's, you know, fire in the middle of the day and, and they need to, you know, move out. Um, to, again, have a very clear plan and, and drill and practice, uh, whether it's an earthquake or an impending fire that's gonna uh, evacuate, you know, and force you to close your, uh, your business. And, and obviously if you've got customers, uh, you know, to, to make sure that they're, you know, the focus first there as well in terms of uh, public safety for them. Um, yeah, with, with COVID, um, it, it is, a, you know, the, the two recent fires we've, we've had, um, the one, the Big Lake fire out in Antelope Valley, which is my area, I, I, you know, I'm the regional health officer out in uh, what we call service planning area one and two, San Fernando up to uh, Antelope Valley. So we've already sustained, you know, that, that fire, and we were working with the American Red Cross on, on, a, on a new COVID uh, protocol for, um, for evacuation. Uh, for that fire. And then there was, I believe, the ranch fire that was out near Azusa, a uh, smaller fire that was up in the um, kind of a, a more, um, you know, community up near the foothill in a, in a valley there. Fortunately, there was, uh, my understanding, no lives lost in either. Um, 
But uh, the, the protocol that we worked with the American Red Cross with in the Lake Fire, where we had to um, evacuate communities throughout Lake Huge, is that they um, actually established uh, these temporary um, shelter sites. So they weren't indoor shelters. They were basically, you drive up in your car, uh, folks were assessed for resource needs, and then they were given hotel vouchers um, to go off to hotels. Eventually that, that transitioned to like an 800 number that the American Red Cross set up. So you wouldn't even have to, in a sense, drive to whatever the locations they set up. I think that that will be kind of the new, uh, and that's basically what they've been doing up north. Um, up north, um, the, the, the issue is at some point you're gonna reach saturation. Um, you know, up in Santa Cruz, I was uh, hearing some of the response up there and they were basically asking visitors not to, not to come to Santa Cruz to allow, uh, you know, for vacancy and capacity at their hotels and motels in which they were evacuating students and, and residents uh, into those sites. Um, so there's a lot of active planning we have currently in the department in our emergency preparedness um, division with American Red Cross to actually play, you know, play through these scenarios. Um, we had obviously a real time uh, event, uh, obviously with Lake and, and the ranch fire. Um, um, the the, the issue is going to be, and hope to God we don't go to another Woolsey type fire, but but once the capat, once you hit a a big enough fire and you have to evacuate, you know, hundreds of thousands of individuals. Um, we're also working with the American Red Cross. They've got a number of, uh, of national, um, really good national uh, protocols now in, in, in light of COVID and they're obviously using those up north as well, um, where there's just a lot more, they have to find a lot more, many more shelters now uh, because of the space uh, capacity limitations, uh, the spacing, um, to make sure they ensure they have enough uh, mask and you know face coverings and, and enough folks again to, to do all the disinfective work that needs to be done um, and, and proper signage and all that. So there's there is now this layer of complexity on top of that to ensure safety within a shelter or congregate indoor setting, um, and then the logistics to just find more not only finding more sites now you also have to find more personnel to obviously. Um, manage those as well. So um, there's a lot of active planning going on right now, um, actually as we speak, I mean, with the American Red Cross and looking at, um, you know, kind of the new COVID uh, challenges and the new protocols that we're, we uh, are instituting now in Los Angeles County. Thank you very much. Um, so what role does your agency play in helping cities, um, communities, and residents um, after uh, a natural disaster has occurred? Um, so I'll speak for my city. So uh, Malibu is a contract city, which means that our sheriff and fire are provided by Los Angeles County. Um, so during a disaster, our primary role is to provide messaging back out to our community. So we're gathering information from law enforcement and fire and providing that information out to the community, whether it's regarding evacuations or repopulation um, or whatever the situation is. Um, so we work uh, really hard on making sure that we have a robust communication system, that we have redundant ways to communicate with the community. Um, one of the things that we learned um, during Woolsey was when the power system goes out and we lost close to 2,000 poles, 
electric poles in the Woolsey Fire Burn area, which severely impacted cell towers, is that um, you lose power, you lose Wi-Fi, you lose uh, cellular connection, and most people don't have landlines anymore. So if you're at home, how are you getting messaging? And so we've looked at every type of redundant type of communication that we can. Um, we're looking at putting in uh, outdoor warning siren systems. We have bullhorns that we've purchased. Um, we'll use posters, we'll use changeable message signs, you know, really anything we can to communicate. Um, so that's something that's really important for local uh, government to make sure that they not only have those, but they've tested those and that their residents are used to receiving information in that way. Um, the other uh, place that we play a role is working with our partners on sheltering. Um, Dr. Alvarez touched on some of the new protocols that are coming out through the Red Cross. Um, and so those are things that we're all talking about and in our EOC training now, those are the types of things you're talking about where you used to send everybody to, you know, a gym at a high school in the next city over. Well, now it may be seven gyms that you're sending people to. Um, because again, if you're looking at a wide scale disaster, there's not going to be 200,000 vacant hotel rooms where you can send people to. Um, the other part that cities play a role in is in the aftermath of the fire or the disaster, whether it's an earthquake or whatnot. Um, and that rebuilding and starting over starts as soon as the disaster starts, because all of a sudden people want you, people aren't gonna be like, well, now I'm just gonna sit and wait for everything to end there. When can I get home? How can I get home safely? And so that's a really important role that local government plays in terms of getting people back home, making sure their properties are safe. Um, there's uh, typically a disaster assistance center that is stood up, which is a, a center that's partners with state and local um, different types of government agencies, everybody from DMV to social security to, you know, your local building department um, where people can go again under COVID. These are things we're having to look at doing differently. It used to be a great big room and hundreds of people in there. And that's obviously not going to be a model that's sustainable anymore. Um, but it's an important role for cities to play or a city government to play. Um, and then obviously if it's a fire and you're looking at rebuilding or an earthquake where you have homes that need to be rebuilt, um, assisting communities in, in getting that and, and getting people back in their homes and getting people back on their feet. That's uh, really an important role for all of us. Yeah, not, not, I, you know, not much to add there. I mean, that's a great <laughs> summary of how we're engaged and certain, certainly from the public health department, we're, we're part of these local assistance centers, these disaster um, you know, resource centers as well. So we, they, they get stood up pretty quickly. I, I think Reva brings up a great point that we also have to look at how we're gonna configure those um, in the future as well, because we, we can't you know, have all these agencies and folks all crowded and, and obviously we can't bring all these folks indoors. So um, that that's um, certainly something actively to look at. You know, is it uh, something more online? Do we? I would imagine we're going to go outdoors and find outdoor settings instead of indoor settings as we move forward. And again, hopefully, um, you know, we don't sustain fires of that caliber this season. But uh, again, unfortunately, or rain. That's another thing we really need to plan for that I'm particularly worried about because we keep talking about doing things outdoors. And what happens if it starts raining? But yeah, that exactly. So um, yeah, certainly, yeah, in Malibu and the foothills in the area, I, you know, I, my domain as well, a lot of foothills up, obviously, in um, 
Antelope Valley and Santa Clarita Valley. So, um, so it's looking at that aftermath. I mean, you, you can see what happened both in the Malibu area and after, after the rains, you got vulnerabilities with the rains and then the floods and the, the mudslides and all the rest. Uh, you know, we, we also are, um, so we, within the Department of Public Health, we also house the Environmental Health uh, Service uh, Bureau and, and they uh, certainly are important in terms of going out to the field. Uh, if you lose power, you're losing some of the filtration, some of the pumping of the water systems and, and it's up to them to uh, work again locally with with the residents and the cities and um, to make sure they to ensure that that the water is safe again and they'll work with the water suppliers and the local water companies as well to to assist them where they can and get things back back and running but uh, that's part of our responsibility and certainly if there's any compromise we put out boil water uh, notices like ASAP to make sure that the residents you know, know how you know how to stay safe we also have Community outreach. Uh, last several fires, Wolseley included, we've we've had teams of uh, outreach workers that would go to um, basically canvas neighborhoods where folks were out um, at in, in meeting at grocery stores or going to grocery stores or what have you or hardware supply stores and, and provide them uh, again good information about how 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 to. Uh, clean up debris or number for consultation or what have you. And I think we'll probably, uh, again, be probably more online with consultation in the future than in person. So, um, yeah, more to, more to come with that. But, it, you know, we're, as you heard, we're all cities and counties and departments um, really looking at a new reality in terms of how we could support our, our community in terms of education. I think a really important thing too um, is that you need to know who your partners are and you need to have those relationships in place before there's ever a disaster. The first time you want to talk to somebody is not the day uh, you know your city is on fire or after the earthquake. Those are relationships that you want to have established. Um, you know, we have regular emergency operations center drills um, where we invite all of our partners. We did one a couple weeks ago on Zoom since obviously we couldn't all gather together in our EOC uh, center. Um, but those are very, very important relationships and they will come up over and over again. Um, my partners and friends in the county and all departments um, are people that I talk to regularly. I check in with, they check in with me um, because when it disaster strikes, you wanna know who to go to and who can help you. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great point. And, and, and tabletop exercises is the way we, we tend to encourage that as well. We're all within a, um, there's a county um, emergency operations center that gets stood up within those, you know, all the cities have uh, representatives and it, it's, it's really um, super well organized, you know, from what I've seen, um, when I've seen, when I've been at the EOC or even departmental operations centers in, in city, uh, operation centers as well. So there is this background infrastructure of network around response. Um, and, and again, it's making sure that, you know, you drill, you know your partners, and, and that system is, uh, you know, just an on-off switch and you're ready to, to run with them. Thank you very much. And speaking of the Woosley fire, um, we understand that the city of Malibu um, had experienced um, quite a journey um, handling the Woosley fire situation a few years ago. Um, were there any uh, specific or major challenges that um, the city has experienced trying to communicate with the residents during the disaster? 
Well, that's a really good question and <laughs> I'm glad I can answer it. Um, you know, if you had asked me the day before the fire, um, you know, you guys ready? I would have said 100%, we are ready. We talk about disasters, we talk about fire, we practice, we have tabletop exercises, we run our EOC. We had even done um, a test of our reverse 911 system about two months before the uh, Woolsey fire and then the fire hit. And um, just real quick, lead up the day before the fire was the borderline grill shooting um, which was in Thousand Oaks right next to Malibu but we had Pepperdine students who were there we had a Pepperdine student who lost her life um, so we were in the middle of what we thought was a terrible disaster and then the Woolsey fire started on a Thursday and it was the third fire major fire in California that day uh, we had the Hill fire which was burning in the Newberry Park area and the Paradise fire that was burning in Butte County. Um, and so not only we were the third fire, it meant we were the third fire to get resources. And by the time um, the Woolsey fire was in really bad shape, there weren't enough resources to go around in the state. So again, these are things you don't think about. Our backup plan, if uh, power had gone out and cell communication had gone out, was to use our sheriff deputies to go through neighborhoods and evacuate people. Um, but the scale of the fire, which burned um, 100,000 acres and there was 250,000 people evacuated in less than 12 hours, um, there, there just weren't enough resources to go around. And so many of my residents didn't get the evacuation notice. Um, our main ingress and egress is Pacific Coast Highway, which has power uh, signals, which run on power. Once their backup goes down, their battery backup, they're black and they go dark. Um, so people were trying to evacuate down Pacific Coast Highway, which would normally take 20 or 30 minutes to Santa Monica, and it took people six hours. And so these are things that you learn that, you know, we can't experience this again. Um, we saw where that went very poorly in paradise where people literally got trapped on roads and couldn't get out. Um, so with all of that, what it's made us do is come up with as many different redundant ways to communicate with our residents and using all of those. So again, making sure people are signed up, uh, making sure you've tested that. Um, our city has the capability of issuing WIA alerts, which are the wireless emergency alert system, similar to the Amber Alert that goes out um, so that we can reach our visitor population if a disaster happens while uh, we have a lot of people in town. Um, there's a lot of cities that that would be appropriate to do, not rely on the county. Um, again, we've just come up with as many different ways to communicate that we can um, and making sure that our, you know, our primary goal is to communicate with the residents, make sure they're safe, make sure they get out safely. Um, and you know, it's just, you, you, ne you never want anyone to be in that situation and hopefully uh, we'll all get through fire season without uh, another Woolsey or another paradise this year. Um, but it's, it's not looking like it's gonna be a great year, unfortunately. Well, thank you so much for sharing. It's definitely quite a journey, I can imagine. Right. The, the other thing too that I did want to touch on is that um, after the fire, we experience flood after fire, which is, you know, a very common um, thing to happen in these communities, particularly your foothill communities. Uh, we saw that go very, very wrong in Montecito. Um, and so, you know, something to, to be mindful of that after the main disaster is over could also be an earthquake where there could also be flood 
floods which impact people. We went through four rounds of evacuations after the Woolsey fire in anticipation of flooding. So, um, you know, you've got to really be mindful that it doesn't just end again the day that the disaster ends. There's always other things that could happen. And that's obviously a concern in California. If there's a major earthquake and there's a lot of ground disturbance that you could certainly um, have a rain event start and start some serious uh, uh, debris flows. So I just wanted to touch on that as well. Thank you very much. Um, shifting gears really quickly about um, the hot topic of the year, COVID-19. So um, Dr. Alvarez, we understand that um, recently there has been a slight de decline of COVID cases in um, the county. Um, and we've heard news that the governor may potentially be reopening um, some additional businesses and venues back up. So um, as we are gearing towards um, recovery from the pandemic, um, and we understand that the flu season is also around the corner. So how can cities and residents um, really help um, with the Department of Public Health's um, efforts um, in combating COVID-19? Um, yeah, there, there's so many ways and, and um, just due to the lack of time, you know, I could go on for like hours to tell you all the various ways that we could all from the city to the individual um, really be, you know, continually, you know, fight this virus infection. Uh, as you know, it's still widespread, um, although the numbers are encouraging. I mean, they are, they are starting to trickle down slightly, um, we, we still have widespread um, COVID infections throughout all communities. And, and again, the, the tricky um, thing about this particular virus is, as many of you know, that it, it spreads asymptomatically. So you could not even realize you're infected with it. You could not even realize you're a super spreader and, and infect others with, you know, unknowingly. And in fact, um, you know, and, and there's tragic scenarios constantly where you know folks are infecting you know loved ones or a vulnerable individual or if you're a staff worker at a long-term care facility uh, infect the patient you know without even knowing so we we've um we've done a lot i mean since this thing has started i mean we especially looking at uh, skilled nursing facilities and protections with patients and screening staff um as you as you know it's always come down to having enough testing and, and getting rapid turnaround on testing. So I, w I wish I could say that that has, you know, improved a lot. Uh, it's improved some. I mean, we certainly have a lot more access to testing in LA County than most other counties, quite honestly, across the nation. Um, and, and because of the testing volume that we're doing, we're actually seeing, you know, a lot of positive cases as, as well. But we still um, are working on trying to get um, better rapid results. And so that's going to be, um, remarkable once we get there because then we should have instant, you know, fairly instant test results so we can start moving on um, folks knowing whether they need to be isolated or, or quarantined or what have you. So still work to go there. I mean, again, I, I think for communities um, is it, just to make sure that they're practicing the cities uh, and, and their businesses are practicing by the protocols that we all set out there by the health officer of, of you know, our, our county. Um, so those are all on our on our website. Um, you know, we have routine meetings with cities and and all the various sectors, be it from you know faith based to um, you know restaurants and so on and so forth. Uh, practically every week, just you know going over these and updating. You know, what are the updates and what have you. Um, you know, it is hot off the press. I mean, we you know this is something that happened over the weekend that the governor actually has now changed kind of the the 
the tiering of um, what's you know a low risk, high risk sort of county, uh, color coded us to you know purple, yellow, you know greens. So um, unfortunately, most of us are still high risk. Most of us are still widespread. If you look at the map of California, the vast majority of counties are still purple. Certainly, every county around us in Southern California is still purple. Um, he he did um, allow on kind of a statewide an opportunity in purple to uh, consider um, consider opening some things like um, you know hair salons, uh, barbershops, um, malls to to 20% capacity. Um, I, I I believe we are not moving forward in LA County to do that initially. Actually, tomorrow we will be presenting to the Board of Supervisors uh, a, a much more cautious return um, in LA County. So we, we certainly don't want to repeat history and rush back into reopening uh, because we're going to just keep pushing this thing further and further down the road and then we'll, you know, God knows when we'll ever get back to the indoors. Uh, but, uh, but anyhow, it's just again encouraging cities and communities to follow those guidelines and as individuals, I mean, we know that covering our face works. We know that reduces spread whether you've got the disease symptomatically with symptoms or you, you have it without any symptoms. We, we know it's effective. It's, it's again, um, you know, showing compliance, behavioral changes in a community um, along those lines and the physical distancing as well. I've, I've been impressed by a lot of cities. They actually seem like they've moved to like kind of the alfresco kind of settings and restaurants, moving those outdoors, trying to encourage businesses the best they can to stay in business um, and, and, and still comply with really safe practices. And, and, I, and I think that the businesses are really getting used to it. I mean, they're finding really innovative ways to continue to stay open and, and provide those services in a safe outdoor uh, environment, hopefully before the, the weather turns on us. I mean, we all have our fingers crossed with this vaccine and the vaccine trials that are out there. And, and hopefully, um, you know, with, with um, you know, rapid warp speed, as the president says, that, that we may get some vaccines uh, hopefully early next year. Or, uh, so, and, and so along those lines, we're also working with state federal partners to start looking at deployment, how we, those would be deployed as soon as we get a vaccine that we can deploy out to our communities. So there's planning there, there's planning with flu vaccine. Uh, another thing I'd like to encourage everybody to do this year is to get their flu vaccine. The last thing you wanna do is get a, you know, hit, you know, hit by flu and COVID um, this year, especially if you're vulnerable. You know? um, so if you know, you're more senior in age or have any medical complication, Definitely, this is the year you don't want to hesitate and get the flu vaccine. And because there will be a lot more demand on, on flu vaccine, we're also planning with the state and how we're going to distribute out more flu vaccine in a lot more venues than we have in the past. So that's uh, currently um, part of our planning also. Uh, so then, um, yeah, so we, we just need to continue to continue to show the good practice that's been bringing down this curve again. And it, it's really... Um, with cautious optimism that we're seeing an improvement in those numbers. What it does is it also gives us a lot more hospital capacity, which is, you know, for any disaster, you want to be having your ICU beds, your ventilators, uh, and your hospital capacity um, in, in all, all areas of our county. So, um, so that's been encouraging because it's actually been showing a, quite a dramatic decrease in hospitalizations 
and, and much more availability of ventilators and ICUs. But uh, we got to just keep up the good work and, and not let our guard down, kind of like what we did last time, where uh, you know let's not try to let's not repeat history and let's keep this thing on on the on the run. Thank you very much. And we're extremely thankful for your time today and your dedication to serving the Southern California communities. Um, do you have any final remarks as we sign off from this episode? I think I would just say in closing, um, my message to residents is, you know, make sure you're prepared, um, kind of expect the worst and make sure that you are able to take care of yourself and your family. Um, for my uh, friends in local government, um, make sure you're practicing what that looks like to run an EOC plan for multiple disasters at the same time, whether that's, you know, an earthquake and COVID happening at the same time or wildfire and COVID. Um, and make sure you've uh, trained uh, people within your staff for the same job. Uh, we had during the Woolsey fire, not only did we have to evacuate our city hall and our EOC to Santa Monica, um, we had a bout of the flu go through our EOC and I had a lot of staff people who couldn't come to work. Um, so you need to make sure that that could be the flu, it could be COVID, that you have people who can do the job and you have multiple that, uh, people who are trained for that because you could be running an EOC for 30, 45 days and people do get sick and get tired. Um, and then my last tip that I always like to tell people is that if the power is out and you don't know what's going on and you're trying to get information, you can always get in your car and turn on the radio and listen to the radio to get news and up-to-date information. So if you don't have a radio at home, that's a great way uh, to, to get some information. And I uh, just wanted to thank you for including, including me in uh, this panel. So I'll, I'll just keep it uh, short and sweet for those individuals. Uh, again, be ready, be proactive, have, a, have a, an emergency kit ready to go and your supplies ready to go. And I'll give you all just a simple website. It's www.bereadyla.org. So that's bereadyla.org. Thank you very much again, and we deeply appreciate your time. Um, for more information on the San Gabriel Valley Council of Governments, our projects, or the SGD Connect um, web series, please visit our website at www.sgvcog.org. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Thank you.